Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Glasgow Times Sports Podcast, normally recorded in our studio at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre, currently recorded from our volunteers' homes. To keep in touch with us, use our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, which are all at Q and Review. That's C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W. Or get in touch via information at qandreview.com. That's information at c-u-e-a-n-d-r-e-v-i-e-w.com. Please like and share our podcast and give us any constructive feedback. Evening Time Sport, January 25. Aloha Captain Defends Approach to Celtic Game. Report by Matthew Lindsay. Aloha Captain Andy Graham has defended the part-time League One side's approach to the Scottish Cup first-round match against Celtic and denied they had set out to deliberately hurt their opponents. Parkhead striker Giorgio Giacomakis claimed the home team's play at the Indodrill Stadium on Saturday night had been dangerous and had crossed the line after seeing Callum McGregor, Lille Abada and Yosuke Ideguchi pick up injuries. Graham conceded the Mohamed Niang foul on Ideguchi in the second half of an encounter which the visitors won by a narrow 2-1 scoreline had been reckless, but insisted it only merited a yellow card from referee Don Robertson. The 38-year-old defender also stated that McGregor, who looks set to spend several weeks on the sidelines after suffering a head knock in the first half, and Abada had to leave the field because of innocuous and accidental challenges. He said, in this day and age, you can't go out and kick players anymore. When I started out on my career a long time ago, you were always allowed one dodgy tackle before your name went in the referee's book. But nowadays, you get yellow carded for pretty much any bad challenge and sent off if it's over the score. And that's the way it should be because footballers, especially flair players and quality players, need to be protected. Callum's injury was the result of a totally innocuous clash of heads. It could have been our player who came off worse. It wasn't an elbow. There wasn't anything malicious in it. It was completely accidental from Adam King. He is a bit gutted that Callum has ended up with a sore one. We obviously wish him well in his recovery, but it was definitely accidental, as was the one for Abada. I watched it back afterwards and there was nothing in that one. The two players went to kick the ball at the same time. I would imagine Abada suffered a bruised foot and that happens in most games. It is not a serious injury. The one that is contentious is when Sena Niang goes in on Idiguchi and catches him with the follow through. When you slow down a replay of the tackle, it does look bad, but a lot of tackles are like that. You need to take it for what it is. I don't think Senna intentionally went in to hurt the player. He went in to win the ball 
and look after himself to make sure he didn't get hurt. That was my take on it. As a fellow professional, the last thing you want to do is injure somebody who is doing the same job as you. The intent to do that would never be there from any of our players. I would never allow that as captain of the team. It is unacceptable. If it happened to one of our boys, they would, because we are part-time, have to take a long time off work. That is the flip side of it. There is no way that was a tactic. Don't get me wrong. We were wanting to be close to the Celtic players. If we hadn't been close to them, they would have torn us apart. They have so much quality that if you aren't aggressive in your press, they will pick you off and score a lot of goals. I have read a lot of the comments and I think it is unfortunate because it was not the intent of the Aloha players at all. Graham revealed that he had talked to Celtic striker Gia Kamakis, who opened the scoring on his first start since recovering from minor knee surgery during the game and had dismissed his complaints about Aloha's challenges. He said, I actually spoke to him about it on the pitch after Abada got his injury. I told him that I didn't think there was anything in it. Having looked back at it, there isn't anything in it at all. The two players go to kick the ball at the same time. I think Abada has maybe hit the bottom of Sena's foot. The Edigucci one. Nowadays you need to be careful with the follow through as a midfielder. But Senna is not the type of character who wants to go out and hurt someone. It is not in his nature at all. If you slow it down and look at how he has caught his ankle on the follow through, you could say it is a little bit reckless, but there was no intent. A yellow card was probably the right decision. I understand that Celtic are frustrated they have got these injuries with the busy period they have got coming up. The last thing they wanted was for their captain to get injured, but that was the most innocuous challenge of them all. It was a complete accident. The criticism there has been does detract a little bit from the effort the boys put in. Report by Matthew Lindsay. Evening Times Sport, January 25. Former Celt Charlie Nicholas brands Rangers letter to the SFA a joke. Report by Ewan Payton. Rangers eight-point letter of complaint to the Scottish FA about refereeing decisions has been branded a joke by ex-Celtic star Charlie Nicholas. The Ibrox Club held discussions with the SFA last week highlighting concerns they had about Kevin Clancy's performance during the draw with Aberdeen. Rangers were left furious after Ryan Kent's red card for a double booking, as well as the call not to order a penalty retake for Lewis Ferguson after the ball was in motion when he struck to level to score at Pitaudry. Aberdeen also felt they were denied another penalty when Alan McGregor caught Ryan Hedges inside the area. 
now that Nicholas has opened fire at the Ibrox Club over the letter. He wrote in his Daily Express column, If I was the Rangers manager, I would be more focused on my own players and asking why they got caught up in things, with Don's captain Scott Brown especially. Why did they take the bait and get involved in it? If I was looking to ask questions about why the defending champions dropped two points, then my first stop would be to the Rangers dressing room. Yes, Clancy had a poor game and got a lot of decisions wrong, but it certainly wasn't one-sided. Aberdeen should have been awarded a penalty when Ryan Hedges was caught by the leg of onrushing Alan McGregor after the Aberdeen forward had knocked the ball past the keeper. There are plenty of times when Rangers get the benefit of the doubt, but you never see them coming out to acknowledge such instances. Yet, they don't hesitate to make their grievances public when they think they've been the victims of an injustice. It is an absolute joke. My first reaction to Rangers contacting the SFA was that this is a club trying to exert their authority by throwing their weight around when things don't go their way. The irony is that the club's stance was in sharp contrast to that of Giovanni van Bronckhorst after the game. The Rangers manager was very calm, accepting things and made it clear it was time to move on. Yet within a couple of days the whole thing had blown up. It certainly doesn't look like Van Bronckhorst was behind the complaint letter. I suspect the Dutchman brushed off most of the flashpoints as schoolboy stupidity. Seeing the Rangers players getting caught up with Scott Brown's antics was just nonsense. Report by Ewan Payton Evening Time Sport, January 25 Borussia Dortmund consider legal action over ticket restrictions for Rangers game. Report by Aidan Smith Borussia Dortmund are considering launching legal action to try and allow fans back into their stadium, which could offer Rangers supporters some hope of attending their Europa League showdown in Germany. German authorities refused to relax strict restrictions this week, which means that Dortmund, who have the biggest stadium in the country with their 80,000 capacity, are still only allowed a maximum of just 750 fans into the ground. The next meeting about the easing of restrictions in Germany is now not scheduled to take place until February 16 the day before Rangers will play the first leg in Dortmund. And furious Dortmund chief Hans-Jochum Watzke is now considering legal action against the decision of the original government of the North Rhine-Westphalia. He said, We are now examining legal steps to challenge the restriction of just 750 fans. Almost three-quarters of Germans are vaccinated. For months there have been sufficient vaccination offers for every single citizen in this country. 
we now know a lot more about Omicron. But we allow almost 90% of the capacity indoors and only 750 people in outdoor stadiums. People are locked out in the open air. That's not proportionate. That's not science either. Nobody understands that anymore. There were always complaints that football was given special rights in Germany. Just the opposite is the case now. Football falls victim to symbolic politics. It is bitter that after two years, the politicians are only thinking about bans and not also about different possibilities and logical decisions. Rangers have handed Dortmund an allocation of 2,700 for the second leg at Ibrooks, but it seems unlikely there will be any official Ibrooks allocation for the first leg unless Dortmund can win a legal battle. Report by Aidan Smith. Evening Time Sport, January 25. Tranmere Rovers sign Celtic Defender. Tranmere Rovers have signed Lee O'Connor from Celtic on a permanent deal the club have announced. The 21-year-old has signed a contract with the English side until 2024 after spending all of last season and the majority of this season on loan from Celtic. The Irishman made 35 appearances for Tranmere in the league last season. Speaking about his move, O'Connor said, I am delighted. It was something I've wanted to do for a while, as I've loved my time here so far. I've really felt at home since my first day. Not only am I enjoying it personally, but I think I'm developing really well, and I just want to continue that. I feel this is the best thing for my career, and it was an easy decision. To play your best football, you have to be happy, and I'm happy. We are on a good run now, and it's just about keeping it going, starting with a big game on Saturday. Speaking about the deal, Tranmere manager Mickey Mellon said, We're really pleased to sign Lee permanently. It's really important that we have our own players when possible, and everyone understands that. We're really appreciative of our lone players but we'd always like to have players of Lee's quality as our own player. We can continue to work with him. He knows where his future is going to be, and we've got ourselves a really good midfielder or right back for the foreseeable future. Evening Time Sport, January 25. Former Celtic manager Wim Janssen passes away, ages 75. Former Celtic manager Wim Janssen has passed away, it has been announced. The death of the Parkhead hero has been confirmed by former club Feyenoord. The 75-year-old was diagnosed with dementia in October last year, with Celtic sending their well wishes to their former boss. Janssen famously guided Celtic to the title in his only season in charge in 1998, but this lunchtime, the football community is mourning the loss. A statement from Feyenoord reads, 
With the death of Wim Janssen, Feyenoord loses a special person and someone who was associated with the club all his life. Janssen served the club as a youth player, youth assistant and head coach, technical director and advisor to the trainers of Feyenoord Academy. In October last year, it was announced in Janssen's biography that he was suffering from dementia. A Feyenoord and Dutch football legend, Janssen made over 500 appearances for the club, while he also played in two World Cup finals, 1974 and 1978. As Celtic manager, he brought Henrik Larsson to Celtic from Feyenoord, and in his season in charge of the hoops, Boom also won the League Cup as well as the league title by Ewan Payton. Evening Time Sport, January 26. Former Celtic chairman Fergus McCann shares heartfelt statement over the passing of Wim Jansen. Report by Charlotte Cohen. Former Celtic chairman and managing director Fergus McCann has shared his condolences over the passing of Wim Jansen. Feyenoord, where Jansen spent the vast majority of his career, confirmed yesterday the news, several months after it emerged their former player and coach was living with dementia. Jansen spent just one year in Glasgow and left within 48 hours of preserving Celtic's joint record of nine consecutive Scottish titles after a breakdown in his relationship with the club hierarchy. An expatriate businessman and long-standing Celtic supporter, McCann took over the role as chairman and managing director of Celtic in 1994, and he shared his condolences for the Janssen family. He said, I am very sorry to hear of Wim's passing. He had an incredible career, winning the European Cup with Feyenoord and playing in two World Cup finals in 74 and 78, and of course being the head coach of Celtic and winning the league title in a very significant year. My thoughts are with his wife Kobe and family. May he rest in peace. Ex-club Feyenoord shared the devastating news on social media yesterday and tributes have been pouring in for the much-loved Celtic hero. Former Celtic and Scotland goalkeeper Jonathan Gould shared the, the impact Jansen had on his own career. Writing on Twitter, he said, My sincere condolences to Vim's family. He breathed life into my own career, and I will be eternally thankful for the spirit he and Murdo McLeod installed into a fabulous group of players. He resurrected the pride of a wonderful football club. Thanks, Vim. Ex-Celtic striker John Hartson shared a similar sentiment and said, Sad news. Hearing Vim Jansen has passed away, won the League Cup at Celtic, stopped ten in a row, and brought the brilliant Henrik Larsson to the club. Thoughts are with the Janssen family. 
Rangers also took to Twitter to share their condolences. They said, Rangers Football Club are today saddened to hear of the passing of former Celtic manager Wim Jansen. Everyone at Rangers sends their condolences to the family and friends. Report by Charlotte Cohen Evening Times Sport, January 26 Flair Gymnastics in Glasgow's Shawlands receive critical funding. Report by Esther Tarnal. A gymnastics club in Glasgow's south side has received a generous boost. Flair Gymnastics has been awarded a £112,000 funding package by Social Investment Scotland, SIS. Around £60,000 will go towards revamping equipment and £52,000 will be used to upgrade heating and lighting in the gym. The facility has around 330 members offering recreational and competitive training for gymnasts from Glasgow and surrounding areas. Last year, the club's membership grew five times its previous size and they hope to use this boost to further increase their numbers. William Smith, Directing of Coaching at Flair Gymnastics said, Securing funding from SIS has been critical to our growth and ambitions for the club. Like many other sports clubs, we have had to work incredibly hard to keep providing opportunities for our members throughout the pandemic including finding and setting up the new venue from scratch. So it's really special to be able to open our doors now to a top-class gym with brand new equipment for everyone to enjoy and progress with. We are keen to deliver an amazing experience for everyone who walks through our doors and encourage even more people from across our surrounding communities to try out our gymnastics. Chris Jamieson, Head of Investments at SIS said, Flair Gymnastics is a shining example of the type of organisation that plays a central role in the health and well-being of local communities. With a positive outlook and a clear strategy for future growth, we look forward to seeing how the club develops and expands making the most of its new look and feel to continue developing and recruiting young gymnasts from the local area. Evening Times Sport, January 26. Morelos Rangers transfer latest as Colombian discusses Champions League ambition. Report by Aidan Smith. Alfredo Morelos has revealed that he is very happy at Rangers and he is fully focused on landing a Champions League spot with the club. The 25-year-old has been linked with a number of European outfits in recent seasons and former boss Steven Gerrard admitted that he wasn't sure if he would be around at Ibrox for much longer. But the Colombian insists he is loyal to the cause and he will do all he can to help new manager Giovanni van Bronckhurst 
as he looks to continue the recent success in Govan. He told Sky Sports, I'm very happy at Rangers. I was named Player of the Month in December. I have been scoring goals and I feel good physically. I am just thinking about scoring more goals and God will decide what happens in the future. I will keep working hard and fighting. I am also in the Colombia squad now, so I hope to stay there. We'll see how it goes. I hope it all goes as well as possible. Right now I am fully focused on Rangers. I feel very happy in Glasgow, as do my family. My daughter is really settled here. I feel very pleased. Rangers really welcomed me when I joined, as did the fans. So I feel really happy here. Playing in the Champions League is a source of motivation for me. We're going to fight for that. My teammates and I are all very positive. That goes for the coaching staff as well. We have a lead at the moment, but we have to perform on the pitch. We play for all three points, which are so important. So we want to keep picking up points and stay top of the table to achieve our target, which is to win the league and qualify for the Champions League if possible. Morelos has netted six goals since Van Bronckhorst took over as boss back in November and he admits he is loving life working under the Dutchman. He continued, The coach has showed his confidence in me and given me a chance and I have responded in the best possible way. I feel very happy and pleased. I have been working hard to be in the starting lineup. He has transmitted his confidence to me and I've scored a lot of goals since he took over at Rangers. The coach knows what Rangers are all about. It's a huge club here in Scottish football that means so much to our fans. He knows that because he played here and he has that winning mentality that we always have to win and play well to keep the fans happy. There's always more to come. I feel there's always more. I want to keep scoring goals, playing well for Rangers and doing my bit for the team, which is the most important thing for me as we go after the targets that we set ourselves. The most important thing is to take it game by game, so that's the path to trophies. Hailing the support of the Ibrox fans, Morelis added, My relationship with the fans is fantastic. I think their support for me is key for me. They really get behind me and love me. I have shown them what I think of them with goals and good football, playing well and keeping the team top of the table. I think they're very pleased. We have some important games coming up and we'll try to achieve our goal of winning them and getting points on the board to keep the fans happy as it makes me proud when they're happy and enjoying themselves. Report by Aidan Smith Evening Times Sport, January 26 Rangers condemn disgraceful racist abuse aimed at Namdi Offobor on FIFA Twitch stream. Report by Charlotte Cohen Rangers have condemned disgraceful racist abuse 
that player Namdi Ofobor has received online. The midfielder took to Instagram to share screenshots of the abuse he suffered during a Twitch stream of him playing FIFA. Speaking about the incident, a Rangers spokesperson said, We are aware of these disgraceful comments and have reported them to Police Scotland. Twitch also added, Twitch stands firmly against racism in any form and our community guidelines prohibit the use of hateful slurs on Twitch. Twitch offers a range of tools, in addition to human moderation, to help keep our service safe. Using auto mode, our creators can ban certain words from appearing in chat and filter out unwanted contributions. We take action against any account for conduct that we determine to be inappropriate, harmful, or puts our community at risk. Show Racism the Red Cat also shared their support for the Rangers player, adding, The thoughts of everyone at Show Racism the Red Cat are with Namdi, and we are writing to both him and his club to offer our support. Over 50% of young people and players we work with in Scotland have seen or experienced racist abuse on gaming platforms in the last year. Platforms can and must do more to protect all users. Until then, online gaming cannot be considered a safe space for people of colour. Offerbore joined the Scottish Premiership side from Bournemouth in the summer, but is yet to make his full debut because of a rare heart condition. The 22-year-old is still undergoing medical tests and Rangers manager Van Bronckhorst is unsure of when he could return. He said last month, at the moment he's still being tested. I spoke with him when I arrived and we just have to wait until he sees the doctors and the results and we can go from there. But so far nothing is decided. Evening Times Sport, January 26. Roger Mitchell reveals Chelsea chairman's pub league slur over Rangers legend Brian Loudrop. Report by Aidan Smith. Former SPL chief executive Roger Mitchell has revealed how ex-Chelsea chairman Ken Bates fired a pub league slur after signing Rangers hero Brian Loudrop. The Danish star moved to London in the summer of 1998 after starring at Ibrox over a four-year spell. During that time, he netted 33 goals in 116 games for the club, but he failed to continue that form into his new career at Stamford Bridge. Loudrop openly admitted that he wasn't overly happy making the move to Chelsea, and Mitchell has revealed how then-Chelsea chairman Bates took a swipe at the Scottish game following the transfer debacle. Tweeting about making Europe's football leagues more competitive, he said, In 1998, I attended a UEFA Congress in Monte Carlo when the idea of a media partner Super League was hot. 
I was just in the job of SPL CEO, full of hope. The networking was an immediate boot in the balls. I was introduced to Ken Bates at a full bar. Scottish footballer, I've just bought Loudrop, and it's clear he's been playing your pub league up there. That was it. No, nice to meet you. Nothing. Studs right over the ball. Mitchell is now an angel investor based in Italian lakeside city Como and runs a sports business podcast. Report by Aidan Smith. Evening Times Sport, January 27. Borussia Dortmund striker confirms he will be fit for Rangers clash. Report by Mark Walker. Erling Haaland has confirmed he will be fit to play against Rangers in next month's Europa League showdown. Rangers face the Bundesliga giants next month in a crucial playoff round game with the first leg in Germany. Haaland was forced off with muscle complaints in the second half of their weekend 3-2 win over Hoffenheim and there was speculation that the Norwegian goal machine would be out for weeks and would be a doubt for the tie against Rangers. But Haaland has confirmed he will be back for the games and is aiming to be fit for Dortmund's next match against Bayer Leverkusen on February 6. He said, it looks good, I'm training well again, I'll be back soon. It's the worst feeling not being able to play. My biggest wish for the rest of my career is not to be injured. That's the most important. If I'm not injured, I can play more. On the other hand, being able to deal with injuries is good for your head and it only makes me hungrier to succeed. If I could change something right now, I'd like to stay injury free. That's my goal for 2022 and for my entire career. That's the most important thing for me. Report by Mark Walker. Evening Times Sport, January 27. Hearts manager Nielsen criticised linesmen for poor decisions. Report by Matthew Lindsay. Robbie Nielsen questioned why assistant referee Dougie Potter had allowed Celtic's second goal to stand but admitted that Hart's strike in the 2-1 defeat at Tynecastle should have been chopped off as well. Georgius Giacomakis, who backheeled the ball beyond Craig Gordon from a few yards out to put the visitors 2-0 ahead six minutes before half-time, appeared to be in an offside position when his new teammate Matt O'Reilly played him in on goal. However, Nielsen confessed that Liam Boyce had also been beyond the Parkhead Club's last defender when Barry Mackay passed to him and stated the Cinch Premiership needs to introduce VAR as quickly as possible. He said, the referee John Beaton did all right, but the linesman let him down. The Celtic goal and our goal are two poor decisions. You get decisions like that every week. For me, Boyce is a clear-cut one. He's got to see it. There's nobody in between him and the Celtic player. We're all for VAR. The sooner it happens, the better. 
Nielsen felt that his side only started playing after half-time when he put on Everton loan Ellis Sims up front and ultimately paid the price for that. He said, I feel a tinge of disappointment. I thought we started the game very well, but Celtic are a very good team and we allowed them to be a good team up to half-time. And at that point we are 2 nothing down and chasing it. The second half was pleasing, but I thought the first half could be better. We changed the shape a wee bit and personnel, which always helps, and we spoke about getting closer, getting the defensive and midfield lines up, which allows us to put more pressure on them. In the first half, we dropped and dropped and allowed them to control the game. When you get chances, you have to take them, and we had a few, but it wasn't to be. Nielsen brought in Sims, and he is excited about what the English striker will bring to the Hearts team in the months ahead. He said, you can see he's going to be a top player for us. The plan was to give him half an hour, so getting 45 minutes out of him was great. I was very impressed with him. We knew what he could do, but it was just a case of whether he could do it for us. Tonight was a very good marker. It was also good to get Benny Baningme back. He's massive for us. We've really missed him. Although we picked up results, he allows us to control games. Evening Times Sport, January 27. James McFadden says Lee Griffiths no longer has Celtic safety net. Report by James Kearney. Former Scotland international James McFadden hopes the penny has dropped for Lee Griffiths now that the striker no longer has the safety net of a Celtic contract to fall back on. The 31-year-old is on loan at Dundee and had his Parkhead deal torn up earlier this month, meaning Griffiths will become a free agent at the start of next month. Dundee boss James McPake is believed to be keen on keeping a hold of the centre-forward for the remainder of the campaign, but the board may be unwilling to sanction a move as Griffiths has only provided three goals in 17 outings. McFadden insists that Griffiths' future is in his own hands as he backed the striker to win a contract at Dundee. McFadden told Sky Sports, The biggest thing for Lee Griffiths now is he doesn't have the safety net of a long contract at Celtic. James McPake says he wants what's best for Griffiths. He's going to try to get the best out of him. But it doesn't matter who's trying to get the best out of him. It's down to him whether he gets the best out of himself. It's good that the manager has put confidence in him, but it's all down to him. He's got an opportunity to get back fit and show that he can still score goals. It's great that he's getting that support, but he's always had it. He's had it at Celtic for the last four or five years, all through his struggles. But now it's down to Griffiths and hopefully the penny drops for him. He does have a point to prove. He's in his thirties and he has to go and show that he's still the player everyone thinks he is. 
he's got a great opportunity to go and play for Dundee and it would be a huge achievement for him to fire the goals in and keep them in the league. Report by James Kearney. Evening Times Sport, January 27. Matt O'Reilly blown away by intensity of Tynecastle. Report by Graham McGarry. Celtic deputant Matt O'Reilly admits he was blown away by the Tynecastle atmosphere as he said he had never experienced anything like it in his career to date. The midfielder was given a baptism of fire by being thrown in for his first start in a Celtic jersey against Hearts, but he thrived on the pressure by turning in a hugely impressive performance in the 2-1 win. And afterwards he said that he will only get better as he get used to the speed of the Scottish game. When asked how he found his debut, O'Reilly said, Intense, yes, definitely. Atmosphere was crazy, more than I've ever experienced as a player. I've come from mainly League One, where you've got fans, but this, I'm not used to it. So it was a good experience for myself in that sense, and I'm just really happy to get the first game under my belt, and hopefully I can now push on really well. Celtic were cruising at half-time after a blistering opening 45 minutes, but Hearts roared back in the second half and were only denied a leveller as Liam Boyce's penalty came off the post. O'Reilly was relieved to hold on for the three points, but said that Celtic allowed the host back into the game too easily. He said, We didn't control the game as well as we should have, to be honest. We let them get back into it with quite a sloppy goal. They should have scored another with their penalty, so we caused our own problems in that sense. But at the end of the day, we still won the game, so that's the main thing. O'Reilly limped off towards the end of the game, but he allayed any fears that they may have picked up an injury. He said, I'm all right. I'm just getting used to it, I think. I haven't played a game in a couple of weeks, to be fair, so I think I'm not getting up to speed, but come that 80th minute, my calf just seized up a bit. It was a tough game, so it makes sense. I'm really happy with the game overall, and now it's time to rest up and go again on Saturday. Report by Graeme McGarry Evening Time Sport, January 27 Postikoglu reveals the quality his team possesses. Report by Matthew Lindsay Ange Postikoglu has singled out the quality in his Celtic side, which he believes has been overlooked this season in the wake of an important 2-1 win over Hearts at Tynecastle last night. Their resilience. Postikoglu has been praised for the flair and attacking intent his team has shown during the 21-22 campaign, and supporters have dubbed the tactics used by the Greek-Australian coach Angibol. But the former Yokohama F. Marino's manager, whose team triumphed in Edinburgh thanks to first-half goals from Rio Hatati and Georgios Giacomokas, thinks his charges have character too. 
The Parkhead Club were missing Kaiogo Furuhashi, Yosuke Ediguchi, Dazen Maeda, Callum McGregor, Tom Rogic and David Turnbull in the capital because of injury and international commitments. But they still withstood a late onslaught by their opponents and ground out a win that keeps them within four points of their city rivals Rangers at the top of the Singe Premiership table, a week ahead of the second Old Firm game of the season. He said, It's probably the one thing that is probably a little bit underestimated in this team. They are just a really resilient group of players. There were plenty of reasons for them to have excuses, but I thought with the changes we had to make, our football was still great. We had to defend. When the crowd gets behind them here, you feel like you are probably under more pressure than you actually are because Joe Hart didn't have that many saves to make in comparison to Craig Gordon. But you feel that energy in the stadium that the crowd gives them, and you feel under pressure, but I thought the guys held out really well. How many attempts did they have on our goal, and how many times did Joe have to come into play? For the most part, I thought we kept him away. We have to be resilient. If you chart the course of this team from the first time we were at Tynecastle, which people keep mentioning, the amount of challenges we have had means we haven't really had a smooth run, to be honest. But I don't mind, because it builds resilience and reveals character. It doesn't matter what team we throw out there, the guys show that they are ready for it and enjoying and embracing the kind of team we want to be. They are not making excuses or allowances for anything, and I think that's a credit to the whole group. We had some challenges, we knew that. In terms of the overall performance, I thought on a difficult night, with a difficult challenge, I thought we handled it well. Report by Matthew Lindsay Evening Times Sport, January 27 Rangers Commercial Chief addresses Ibrox sponsorship deals and the Castor kit contract. Report by Chris Jack James Bisgrove has revealed Rangers could look to strike another sponsorship deal for Ochenhaui as he confirmed potential naming rights opportunities at New Edmiston House. The champions rebranded their training base on the outskirts of Mulgai four years ago as part of a deal with then kit manufacturers Hummel. The agreement was short-lived, however, as the club became embroiled in further legal disputes regarding their merchandise arrangements and a long-term contract was signed with Castor last summer. That deal will tie in with the building of a store within New Edmiston House, as Rangers prepare to open the multi-million pound museum and events venue later in the 150th year. Bisgrove has overseen a rise in revenues during his time at Ibrooks, and, speaking in an interview with Four Lads Had a Dream, 
the commercial director has refused to rule out the possibility of a move that could see Ivilks renamed. In short, yes, Bisgrove said, when asked about the possibility of bigger and more profitable deals and potential stadium sponsorship in the future. I have outlined previously that we won't stop moving the club forward and we have several significant commercial deals in the pipeline that will be announced during the course of this year. We also want to be innovative and progressive in our approach and where it makes sense, we'll look beyond traditional sponsorship deals to grow our revenues and meet some of our broader objectives. We feel this is critical to our commercial success, especially given the SPFL market context in which we operate. This is why we've agreed the Harry Styles concert, opened a soccer academy in Abu Dhabi, bought the broadcast rights in India, whilst investing in Rangers TV and are building new Edmiston House, to name a few examples. In terms of naming rights, I think this can take different forms and we might be prepared to look at opportunities around the training centre and new Edmiston House. I think we should keep an open mind and for the right brand and right investment level. It's something I would be prepared to take to the club's board for consideration, but only if it's right for Rangers. Rangers banked around £4 million from the first season of their Castor partnership and fans would dig deep during a historic campaign that saw Stephen Gerrard's side clinch a 55th league title. The Liverpool-based firm, who signed a five-year deal with Rangers, have previously spoken of reaching up to £8 million per annum, but there is discontent among some supporters over issues with official merchandise. Bisgrove said, We all know the history of the kit and retail situation, and I spoke at the AGM with great positivity about the Castor partnership and outlined how the deal has transformed our kit and retail operations in a short space of time. The backing we receive from Castor, whose business is going from strength to strength, has been phenomenal. I speak with and meet the founders regularly and the relationship is incredibly strong. The first year of the partnership had some fantastic highs but also threw up some challenges. Rangers stores were closed more than they were allowed to open. The revenues generated, both through the partnership fee and sales royalties, have returned this commercial revenue stream to the level a club of Rangers stature should expect and are higher than the figure you refer to. I'm aware of the figures referred to by Castor and we absolutely share these aspirations. As with any commercial partnership in football, when the time is right, I'd like to think we would sit around the table with Castor and discuss the prospect of a renewed deal with the backdrop of a huge amount of shared success. Equally, if and when Rangers go back to the market, 
we will look completely different compared to 2020, given the history, and they would expect Rangers kit and retail rights to be in high demand. Report by Chris Jack. Evening Times Sport, January 27. Scottish Cup fifth round TV selections confirmed. Report by David Irvin. The Scottish FA have confirmed four Scottish Cup fifth round matches will be shown live on TV. Rangers against Annan, Hibbs trip to Arbroath, Celtic hosting Wraith Rovers and Peterhead's clash with Dundee will be broadcast. The matches have been split between Premier Sports and the BBC as clubs compete for a quarter-final spot. The matches will take place over the weekend of February 12 and 13 and into Monday, February 14. The weekend's televised action begins with Rangers' trip to Galabank to take on League Two side Annan Athletic. The match will be broadcast on Premier Sports with a 5.30pm kickoff. The next day, Sunday, February 13, Arbroath against Hibs will be shown on BBC One with a 12.30pm kickoff. Celtic and Wraith Rovers clash will then be live on Premier Sports with a kickoff time of 4pm. Peterhead's match against Dundee will take place on Monday night with BBC Scotland hosting coverage of the match at 7.45pm. Evening Times Sport, January 28. Alan Tate bringing together Scotland's underground cack-handed community. Report by Nick Roger. The way folk hold a golf club and the way they unleash said implement on an unsuspecting dippled ball has always generated much flurry phraseology. The celebrated scribe Peter Doberreiner once likened Eamon Darcy's swing, for instance, to that of a man picking a five-pound note from a grate with tongs. We've probably all witnessed a playing partner unfurling a driver and adopting a startling vein-throbbing grip which resembles someone wrestling with the thrashing tail of an alligator. This game is full of quirks, peculiarities and occasional absurdities, isn't it? In this rich tapestry, golf's cack-handers remain an enchanting old lot. For the well-kent Alan Tate, a man who seems to have so many eureka moments they should call him Archimedes. A desire to showcase this motley crew has led to him creating a cack-handed Scottish golf tour for those amateurs who adopt the left-hand below-right grip, or vice versa if a lefty. I was on a Facebook page called Golf Courses of Scotland and a guy on there said he was a cack-hander and wondered how many others were out there, said Tate, the former European tour player who has set up numerous mini-circuits over the past 20 years to give playing opportunities to various walks of golfing life. He got bombarded with people getting in touch. That got me thinking, 
Golf is such a rich and varied game, and we have events for left-handers, for blind golfers, disabled golfers, everybody. I couldn't find anything for cack-handers. I sent a message out saying that I was thinking of doing a Wii Championship purely for cack-handers, and the response was unbelievable. They all said they'd been crying out for something like this for years. I was only going to do a 36-hole championship, but the enthusiasm had led to me doing a mini-circuit of six events. Cack Handers Reaching the giddy heights of the game are few and far between. The South African Sisanka Sugolam won a trail of Dutch Opens back in the day and finished 13th in the 1963 Open during a, a sporting life shackled by apartheid. In more recent years, of course, John Gallagher flew the cack-handed flag with great idiosyncratic aplomb. When the Edinburgh man reached the final of the amateur championship at Royal Birkdale in 2005, fascinated observers would peer at his unorthodox grip with the same kind of whispering, intrigued reverence you'd adopt when filing past a body lying in state. His opponent in the final, the Northern Irishman, Brian McElhinney, had his eyebrows raised too. When I told some of my mates about it on the phone, they thought I was taking the piss, said McElhinney, who would eventually beat Gallagher and deny the Scot the chance to take his unconventional method all the way to Augusta for the Masters. When I was young, the only cack-hander I encountered was the Scotland cap Jim Hay from Kirkintilloch, recalled Tate. He was a fine golfer, but then John came on the scene in later years. I did play with him a couple of times, and there weren't many boys who flushed it like him. Hitting a full drive with a grip like that is a huge talent in itself. I gave it a go and managed about 20 yards. In fact, the cack-handed grip was sore, and when I tried it, I thought I was going to break my wrist. For the true cack-handers, though, it's a case of if it ain't broke, don't fix it. A giddy mix of golfers. I've had interest from a plus four handicapper to those in their high twenties, noted Tate. We'll assemble at a variety of venues throughout the season, including Montrose Links, Glenberry, Haston, Spey Valley and Strathmore, with the 36-hole showpiece taking place at Deer Park. For Tate, who started the popular Get Back to Golf Tour for Pros and Amateurs when schedules were ravaged by the pandemic. This latest venture is another project to throw himself into. The 52-year-old has never been short of energy and enthusiasm, but the sudden devastating passing of his big brother and best friend John last year means his sense of purpose is driven by the pain of loss. All these projects are a coping mechanism, said the former Tartan Tour number one. 
As long as my mind is somewhere else, I'm all right. The busier I can keep myself, the better. The cack handers are the latest golfers to benefit from Tate's tireless endeavours, says Nick Roger. Evening Time Sport, January 28. Bodo Glimpse manager fears the side won't be able to compete with Celtic. Report by Mark Walker. Bodo Glimpse boss Keto Knutson admits he's no idea if his new look side will even manage to be competitive against Celtic when they play them in Europe next month. The Norwegians are in the middle of their pre-season and only played their first warm-up match of the new season yesterday in Spain where they drew 1-1 with Dynamo Kiev. Their Norwegian title-winning side from the past two seasons has broken up with several departures including star striker Eric Botham moving to Russian big spenders Krasnodar for £8.4 million and they also pocketed £3.5 million from Lens for their captain Patrick Berg. And Knutsen, who saw Norwegian striker Victor Boniface equalise for his side on the Costa Blanca, admits he is going into the unknown when he plays against the Hoops in the Europa Conference League. He said, we have sold four players who all played for the national team, so it's a new team I have and we need time. Hopefully we can be competitive against Celtic, but it's only three weeks until the game and it will be difficult. We really need to use the time now to work hard before we play Celtic. Every day is important for us. It's a new situation for us because we are in the beginning of pre-season and we've never played a team like Celtic in that period. That's the way it is though. And for us to have a game against a club like Celtic is actually perfect for us in terms of preparation for the new league season. But how competitive we will be in the games against Celtic, I don't know. Celtic are a big club and a good team. They are a typical international team because they like to play. They play attacking football and have many good players, just like Dynamo Kiev do, in fact. I have been in Glasgow once before and actually watched Celtic play Aberdeen. I was there on holiday. It was an amazing atmosphere. I know Scottish football and of course know that Celtic and Rangers are both really good teams. For us it's a big game and we are all looking forward to it. At Bodo we have our own DNA, we have our own style and we always play in the same way at home and away. We play glimped football. But where we will be in late February? I don't know. Knutson was linked with a move to Rangers after Stephen Gerrard left and was reportedly on the Ibrox club's shortlist before they made their move for Van Bronckhorst and he refused to deny it after the game yesterday. He said, was there any contact? I don't know. I never talk about other clubs. 
and I am happy to be the coach here. We are a new team now, and for us, it is about trying to do well again. What will happen in the next three weeks, I don't know, but I hope we can be competitive. Report by Mark Walker Evening Time Sport, January 28 Fashion Sakala revels in Rangers pressure. Report by Chris Jack Fashion Sakala is confident Rangers will thrive under the Ibrox spotlight this term as the champions seek to defend their Premiership crown. Van Bronckhorst's side left it late on Wednesday night as a Scott Arfield strike clinched a hard-fought victory at home to Livingston. Rangers would frustrate the Ibrox crowd with a lacklustre showing but the moans and groans turned to cheers as their four-point lead over Celtic was maintained. Sakala said, The pressure is something that I expect, especially playing for such a big club. The fans always expect us to score early, and if you don't score in 10 or 15 minutes, they think that maybe we are not doing well, but we are always pushing and we know that we will get goals. We always believe in each other. The main important thing is to get three points. It is always hard when you get the pressure from the fans. It is nice that they push us to keep working hard and get the three points. The fans always expect us to win, which is very special. I am very happy that we are giving them what they deserve. Rangers will aim to keep up their unbeaten run under Van Bronckhurst's guidance when they make the trip to face Ross County tomorrow. A hugely significant Old Firm clash is then next on the agenda as the champions look to move another step closer to retaining their top flight title. Sakala said, I think we always have to challenge ourselves Last season the club won the title and it was a very big motivation to get back to winning ways. Now we have to maintain it and get another trophy. I think it is special for us, but the most important thing is the character that we have in the team and the winning character. I am very proud and happy with the team. The boys in the dressing room have one goal and the only goal is that we have to win. Report by Chris Jack Evening Times Sport January 28 Van Bronckhorst explains Rangers selection calls Report by Christopher Jack It was a night and a fixture that was endured rather than enjoyed. It was one which Giovanni Van Bronckhorst still takes satisfaction from. Come the end of the campaign the one nothing victory over Livingston could be seen as a pivotal moment in the title race. A week after dropping points for the first time as Rangers manager, Van Bronckhorst saw his side maintain their narrow lead in the Premiership. It took a moment of invention and inspiration from Scott Arfield to win it for the champions, as his acrobatic flick 
from a Borna Barisic cross looped into the net to finally give a frustrated and freezing Ibrox crowd something to warm their hearts. Wednesday evening was a chance for Van Bronckhorst fringe players to shine and a test for the squad depth that will be so important over the final months of a title race that could easily go all the way come May. The introductions of Arfield and Kamar Roof changed the Rangers' fortunes for the better. On Saturday, Ryan Kent and Joe Aribo will also be welcomed back into a side that still need a spark after the winter break. I'm happy with the win, Van Bronckhorst said as he reflected on the Livingston clash and looked ahead to the trip to Dingwall. It was very difficult circumstances to play in these conditions against a team who did well. They made it very compact and we couldn't play the game we needed against this opponent. It was difficult to control the ball and pass the ball, especially with the wind. In the end, I think we created enough chances to score goals, but we only scored one. That made us the winner, which is the most important thing. I am really happy that I could sub Scott Arfield because we know how important he is for the team. We could put him in for the last 30 minutes. Same with Kamar. Ryan Jack is back as well, so the squad is getting back to full fitness. Injured players are coming back, and for the weekend we have players back, especially Ryan Kent and also Joe. This win is very important for us, and now we can work hard with a bigger squad for the next figure. That next fixture, of course, will come against Ross County. If the Staggies are seen off, then Rangers will head into Derby Day in fine fettle and in a promising position. Celtic maintained their own momentum with victory over Hearts in midweek, but the champions can only focus on themselves and take care of their own business right now. Continued Van Bronckhorst, it's very crucial. We want to win every game, no matter the circumstances. There are two teams with the same circumstances and we have to make sure that we are the winners in the end. It was very difficult, but we are really pleased with the points. For me, the next game is the most important, an away game against Ross County. We have two days to prepare, so all the energy we have now will go into the three points on Saturday. For long spells of a one-sided affair, Rangers looked to be heading for a costly draw as Livingston held out and edged their way towards a battling sheer of the spoils. The decision not to select Arfield from the start was ultimately justified for Van Bronckhurst. Had the game turned out differently, views would not have been as kind towards the Dutchman. Van Bronckhurst said, In an ideal world, Arfield would have started, but I think we have to be smart as well with our players coming back from injury. It's tempting to put Scott in from the first minute, but I think we did well. For me, it was also tempting to put Joe Aribo straight away in the team, 
but he's had two days of flying back from Africa. Those are the decisions you have to take because it's not only the game on Wednesday. We play many more games in the coming weeks and sometimes you have to be thinking a little bit rational and say, okay, this is a smart thing to do. But of course, if you score in the 75th minute, you know you only have 15 minutes left. We were pushing for the goal. After it went one nothing. we had some chances to score the second goal, but in the end, three points count. Evening Times Sport, January 31. Five talking points from Celtic's weekend win. Report by Matthew Lindsay. Excitement about the second meeting of the season between Celtic and Rangers was considerable before the latest round of Singe Premiership matches on Saturday. But the sense of anticipation in Scottish football ahead of the Derby game at Parkhead on Wednesday night has been cranked up to another level by events at the weekend. The gap between the city rivals at the top of the league table is now just two points after leaders Rangers were held to a draw by Ross County away and Celtic, courtesy of a last-minute Lille Abada goal, beat Dundee United at home. Ange Postecoglou's side can now leapfrog Giovanni van Bronckhorst's team into first place and gain an important psychological edge in the title race if they prevail. The victory over United came at a cost. Stand-in skipper Nil Bitten was ordered off in the second half for a second bookable offence and will be suspended for the midweek fixture. Can Celtic triumph without Bitten, Kyogo Furohashi, Yosuke Ideguchi, Dazen Maeda, Callum McGregor and Tom Rogic? Here are five talking points to arise from the encounter in the east end of Glasgow on Saturday. Silent Assassin Abada May according to his teammate Greg Taylor, be one of the quieter players in the Celtic dressing room. But the Israeli winger is no shrinking violet on the park. He showed great composure to net the winner in the last minute. It was the 20-year-old winger's 12th goal of the 2021-22 campaign and was by far his most important strike. With so little to separate the defending champions and their nearest challengers, the narrow triumph it secured could prove crucial come May. Abada has, understandably for one so young, blown hot and cold since completing a £3.6 million move from Maccabi Pita Tikva in July. But his showing on Saturday should ensure he gets the nod from Postecoglou at Parkhead on Wednesday evening. Said Taylor, Leo's a quiet lad who's done really well since he's come over. He's had a lot of big moments so far this season and this was another one. He has a real talent for sniffing out goals like that 
and he took it really well. The gaffer's big on the opposite winger being in the middle of the goals when balls are coming across because so many goals are scored in there and Leo's so good at that side of things. He's not shy, just a quiet young lad who's trying to improve every day, like we all are. He's been guided along by Mitten and I know he's very grateful to have someone in the dressing room who's come from the same country. But we'll try to help each other here. We've got a really good group. Coming to a club this size, it does take time to adapt and to settle. And we've seen that with a lot of players down the years. But you look at Lille, he scored in Europe in his first game and he's really taken to the team and to the club. His numbers for someone so young are top drawer. McCarthy the man. James McCarthy hasn't had an extended run in the Celtic first team since returning to Scotland in the summer. The Republic of Ireland International has made just four starts in the Premiership. But Postecoglou should, with Bitten and McGregor out, and Ismaila Sorrow, the only other option, turn to him for the Rangers game. So much will hinge on how McCarthy performs alongside Rio Hatati and Matt O'Reilly in the middle of the park. But it is the perfect opportunity for the vastly experienced 31-year-old to prove his worth and kick-start his parkhead career. Jota Impact The on-loan Benfica winger has been used sparingly by Postecoglou since recovering from injury. He has made just one start in four appearances this month. But he made a real difference when he came on at the start of the second half against United on Saturday and set up a badder for the goal at the death. The Portuguese forward, who missed the one nothing defeat at Ibrox back in August, should be one of the first names down on the Celtic team sheet before the Rangers showdown. Brilliant Benji Celtic would have wrapped up another three points and reduced Rangers' lead at the top of the Premiership far earlier on Saturday had it not been for the inspired display of United goalkeeper Benjamin Segrist. The Swiss player denied Abada, O'Reilly, Anthony Ralston and Georgios Gukamakis as the home team dominated. His save from the latter in the second half was ridiculous. The striker looked certain to break the deadlock after being supplied by Jota. He was denied by his opponent's outstretched leg. United can take heart from their weekend showing despite the result and will go into the match against Dundee at Dens Park in a confident frame of mind. But they must hold on to Seagrist, who has been linked with Rangers in recent weeks, if they want to secure a top six place this term. Guess who's back? Celtic paid their respects to Wim Jansen, the coach who led them to an epic Scottish title triumph 
in 1998 on Saturday following the sad passing of the Dutchman at the age of 75 last week. One former manager who it is fair to say is not as highly thought of by fans of the Glasgow Giants despite the success he enjoyed during his time in charge is Brendan Rogers. The Northern Irishman provoked fury and outrage when he left for Leicester City back in 2019 when his side were bidding to complete the treble treble. He took advantage of a free weekend in the Premier League to return to paradise. There were a few caustic comments about his presence inside the ground online, but he enjoyed the match along with his fellow supporters from his vantage point in the main stand. Has the ill feeling towards Rogers dissipated with the passage of time? Matthew Lindsay Evening Time Sport, January 31 Scott's golfing pioneer, Norman Wood, cherishes his priceless tour memories. Report by Nick Roger The European tour has changed a bit since its first official season 50 years ago. For a start, it's now called the DP World Tour. And as for the prize money, well, the current campaigners are now playing for the kind of vast sums that Warren Buffett's accountant used to pour over. I got £2,300 for winning the Italian Open, reflected Scotsman Norman Wood of his one and only victory on the circuit back in 1972. It wasn't quite a life-changing amount. Along with the late Brian Barnes, Wood was one of two Scottish champions during that inaugural campaign. While the current circuit burrows about 27 different countries throughout the globe, the fledgling tour was largely billeted on these shores with a few excursions onto continental soil. It was more Bognor Regis and Downfield than Raz al Kama and Dubai. There were still plenty of opportunities to spread the golfing wings though, with the ingrained wanderlust of Ernest Hemingway, the intrepid wood would take off here, there and everywhere in search of playing opportunity and financial rewards. I would go off to the Far East and Australia, said the 75-year-old, who would often daydream of golfing globetrotting while working in a bank in Aloha before turning professional. The airfare then for a round trip was £900. You can get it now for £600. It was a huge chunk out of your expenses, but I was fortunate that I had some good finishes. You had to, just to keep playing. Lots of people lost all their money and had to give up. When I was starting off as an assistant pro at Turnberry, I would head off in the winter to Florida, win a few bob there, then go off to the Bahamas, Panama and Venezuela and win enough to keep going week to week. I loved the travelling and I loved the heat. 
I was playing in Maracaibo and had an umbrella to keep the sun off me. I walked into a bunker and the heat coming up off the sand melted the plastic of the umbrella. That was maybe too hot. When I ran out of money, I would come home and go back to work at Turnberry. Wood's Italian Open Win in 1972 was the start of a period of pomp and relative prosperity for the Scot. He finished second to Gary Player in the 1974 Australian Open, despite a farcical palava on the opening day. He recalled, I got all mixed up with the time change and nearly missed my tea time. I raced through the streets in a taxi. My caddy was waiting for me on the tee and my partners were up the fairway. In those days the rule was if they hadn't hit their second shots, you could still go. You got a two-shot penalty, but not disqualified. So I just ran onto the tee with my normal shoes on, grabbed a ball and driver, shouted to my partners that I was playing and hit it. I ended up finishing second. By 1975, Wood had earned a place on the Great Britain and Ireland Ryder Cup team for a tussle with Arnold Palmer's star-studded Americans at Laurel Valley. The visitors suffered a hefty defeat, but Wood did beat Lee Trevino in the singles. People seem to be amazed when they find out and say, What? You played in a Ryder Cup? said Wood with a chuckle. It would prove to be the peak of Wood's career as those ruthless golfing gods started to meddle. He said, between 1972 and 1975, I was at the top of my game. It was a lovely feeling. And then I got the yips. It happened funnily enough in Italy. I had a putt of two feet and missed it an inch left. I then had another two-footer and missed it on an inch right. It got worse and worse. I was playing in a Ryder Cup in 1975 and just two years later I gave up the tour. I was hitting 18 greens in regulation and walking off with a 75. It was terrible. I was only 30 and should have been moving into my peak years. Instead I was finished. The game was changing with more money coming into it. I often wonder what might have been. But I won on tour and played in a Ryder Cup and I have some great memories. You can't put a price on those. Report by Nick Roger. Evening Time Sport, January 31. Aaron Ramsey to Rangers on as Ibrox Club launch load bid. Report by Christopher Jack. Rangers are plotting a sensational deadline day move for Juventus midfielder Aaron Ramsey. Reports in Italy on Monday morning credited the champions with an interest in Ramsey and Time Sport understands the champions could look to pull off an audacious loan deal before the close of business at midnight. 
Ramsey is out of favour at Juventus and will be allowed to leave if a package can be put together in the coming hours. And Rangers are keen to try and clinch the signing of the former Arsenal star on a deal until the end of the campaign. Boss Giovanni van Bronckhorst has sealed moves for James Sands and Ahmad Diallo already this month, and Polish defender Maciej Zukowski has finalised his move from Lechia Gdansk. But it is the possible arrival of Ramsey, who has won three major honours during his time in Turin, that will excite supporters on the eve of Wednesday's crucial Old Firm clash at Parkhead. Report by Chris Jack. And that was this week's Glasgow Times Sport podcast, normally recorded in our studio at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre, currently recorded from our volunteers' homes with the publisher's kind permission. Thanks for listening. <laughs>